you ever felt. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. To kind of know a little bit of your background as far as like who your mother is and to see like what she did. Um, I mean, obviously that was, that was before I, I was born, but if you read some of the articles about that, it, she, you know, I, I'm so curious as to what that felt like. Um, you know, for those that, that don't know, um, your, your mother, Shirley Bell was the voice actor, um, and actor, I guess, yeah. at the time, because it was radio for the show My Little Orphan Annie. Yeah, and, she's Little Orphan Annie. Or Little Annie. Orphan Annie. Yeah. You know, and so, but in, in reading about that, like, I wasn't aware, obviously, because it's a different time. Um, but, you know, that was uh, coming out of the, the Great Depression. And things around that time, it was like, that was that was your escape, right? Was that was pretty like, much the decade. Yeah. From 30 to 40. That's when she played Annie, and then mm -hmm. they yanked the thing off the air at 40. So she started when she was 10 years old. She finished when she was, they just, nobody ever said thank you or there's the door or, you know, mm -hmm. they just cut it all off after 10 years, and that was that. So she played it from when she was 10 till she was 20. And then she went on to meet my dad and be a, uh, stay-at-home mom, you know, yeah. for pretty much. She didn't realize until she was in her 80s what an impact she made on children back then. Well, She didn't realize what she was doing. She was just supporting five families during the Depression. Yeah, well, that was some of the things, you know, I think I read some parts out of the uh, the L.A. Times or New York Times, you know, when, when she passed. Mm -hmm. And um, you just you just don't think about, it. like, my generation doesn't think about that. We We don't. We don't have, I guess we have so much. We have an abundance of content. We have an abundance of music. We have an abundance of actors. And we're just so immersed in like, I mean, you can get content at literally the flip of a button. And, you know, so, but for things like that, when there wasn't as much of abundance and there was only a few shows, like people as a whole, as a society kind of became ingrained in her character. And they may not have known oh, her, yeah. you mean, know, because they couldn't see her, but they- The Christmas story. Yeah. They have that. <laughs> yeah. My mother got really mad about that. She's like, because, you know, the kid goes into the bathroom to decode. He can't wait. What, you know, what's it going to be? And he gets into it and it says- Drink your Ovaltine, <laughs> and and he's like he's furious. Well, my mom was furious too because she said it wouldn't. They would never do that. Our show would never do that. There was always a message in there. Sure, I said that it was a I precursor said, mom, to the they next They wrote show. it. They wrote it that way for the movie because it's funnier. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, I'm like relax. It's all yeah. okay. Yeah. But her book came to pass because. Um, I found something online and I started reading it to her about Orphan Annie because I had some questions. And she, after I finished reading, she goes, it wasn't like that. This was wrong and that was wrong and that was wrong. And I go. What wasn't like that? You mean like the The, the, the experiences okay. of, of, you know, she started uh, uh, doing radio at age six. Mm -hmm. Now, 
you better be able to read pretty well when because that's all you've got is your script. At six years old, she was doing all boy characters, girl characters. There were no other uh, child actors yeah. at that time when she first started. And uh, anyway, uh, then when they were casting, uh, there was nobody else to choose. You know, they knew her and yeah. they knew what she could do and how she could take direction and whatever because everything was live. There were no do-overs. No do-overs. <laughs> <And it's>, you know, <laughs> yeah. how terrifying. Sure. Oof, and, that would be rough. But, you know, she didn't get a lot of... They were happy to take her money, but she didn't get a lot of um, accolades from her family. Mm. Or it was just sort of expected of her to bring in the money because she had a job that actually supported, you know, all the cousins and all the, you know, all the family. And she never saw a dime of it. And, um, and she never understood that she, what she did impacted all kinds of kids all across the country, but especially the girls. Mm -hmm. There had never been a role model, a, a child girl mm -hmm. that was a badass, <laughs> you know, and yeah. Orphan Annie was. She sure. always went on adventures and always got herself out of trouble. And, you know, she was a... Uh, a very strong little girl. Well, so was my mom. Sure. They never drove her to work. She had to be there five days a week, even sick. It just was a snowstorm or whatever. She had to get there and be there on time for 10 years. Mm. There Think was no driver's that. licenses back then. So she, sure. So she, at 10, she could drive. Basically. She actually, <laughs> yes, would drive to work if somebody's car was you know, not being occupied. So, so when you were talking to her um, about kind of the specifics that you, the questions you had about um, a Little Orphan Annie, was it a, the pre the book being written or was this after? That was pre the book. Okay. Okay. All right. And so her, her truths about the process, like what was, what was so different that, you know, how, my, my, I guess what I'm trying to ask is that you kind of had this notion or you, how did you have your view of her experience? And then where did she come to say, you know, like, she's, she's got a completely different, you know what I'm saying? Like, had you just in, in passing and growing up with her and you kind of made these assumptions as a little girl and now you're an adult and you're having these conversations with her? Or how did that come to be? Well, I've always asked her questions. Yeah. In fact, she taught me um, all the old standards and got me interested in that kind of music. And she sang all day long. She wanted to be uh, a band, band singer, which in those days was, you know, how exciting. Sure. And she was a good singer. And, you know, my dad, <laughs> you know, he was like, no. Yeah. He was very conservative and very traditional of that generation. And uh, so she never really got to shine the way she wanted to because the Annie thing to her just was work. That's sure. work. I got to go to work today. And I don't think she got a whole lot of pleasure out of it. Yeah. She did some 
uh, personal appearances. I still have the the red curly wig that she would wear. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got some incredible, uh, I have her scrapbook. Mm -hmm. She kept a scrapbook that was a huge thing. And you can't believe the magazine and, and, and newspaper articles and stuff like that. And she just, she just, when it was over for her, she just sort of pushed it aside. She never analyzed it or, but I didn't. And, and I was singing since I was born. It feels like Yeah, I used to sit on the floor, you know, they had one big speaker <laughs> and, <laughs> just... and I'd memorize all kinds of music and it developed my, my ear for pitch and mm-hmm. how you sing. And it just was a huge influence. And then she would walk around singing these songs. And I did a CD in 2002 called Never Too Late. And uh, I dedicated it to her because without her doing all those things, you know, she impacted my life in, you know, as a singer. Uh more than anybody, sure, any artist was she as supportive as she could be in in your path on singing, or was it kind of oh no, my mother was like the my biggest fan, I mean she was always encouraging, I think there was a tinge of well, I wish I could have done that, sure, sure, you know, like that would have been fun, yeah, you know, but she was happy for me, no, and, I mean that's yeah, I mean. It's, I, I wonder that sometimes where, you know, like a child might have a, a famous, you know, mother or father or, you know, um, a parent. And if, if there's, I wouldn't, maybe not jealousy, right? But maybe it's like almost living vicariously through I the child or something of that nature, you know. But but on the flip side, I, I and I haven't personally experienced it, so I'm, I'm really curious as to like your your view of it is that I guess maybe for lack of better terms was, did it ever feel like those were like gigantic shoes to fill or was it, I mean, you probably didn't know your mom and, you know, and, and that element, you, you probably knew obviously that your mom was that child star, but did that have an impact? Like, did you ever think that, God, these are gigantic shoes that I've, I have yeah. to fill or it never, it never impacted you like that. Mm-mm. I couldn't wait to get out of high school. <laughs> I think that's um, what most people are about. Maybe I'm just, you know, biased. <laughs> and when I got out of high school, I went to college for like a semester and I went, I want to be a singer and this is not helping me to do that. Yeah. So um, I think I had my first live gig um, and I was 19 just 19 and uh i i was a singer in a with a trio behind me and the piano player came up to me after uh after the gig and said um have you ever thought about singing radio or tv commercials i never thought how they were made do you know what i mean it sure. just oh, yeah. wasn't they were the things that sent you running to the bathroom, if you had to go in between, you know, so you missed the show. There was no DVRs to pause it or, 
you know. So she, um, anyway, uh, I had the gig. He said, come see me on Tuesday. I'm doing a jingle. See what it's all about. See if you like it. So I come in, and you'll appreciate this because you have your own studio. Uh, there's a booth where the people visiting or the engineer and you know everybody else sits. And then the studio is like, you don't go in the studio unless you are absolutely 100% sure it's time. Like you can open the door and you're not ruining a take. Sure. <laughs> or, or, you know, make really making somebody pretty angry. Um, I knew nothing of any of that. So he's the only one I knew. So I walked in. Thank God they weren't doing a take. And I sat down on the piano bench and he's like, you got to get out of here and go in there. Nobody's, you know, and course i'm 19 so you know all the other musicians if anyone has ever hung out with musicians they are a very colorful bunch of guys (laughs) (laughs) you know so i went in i watched the whole thing and i said i want to do this this is something Mm -hmm. because i've never liked to be the center of attention i wanted to sing and this was like the perfect job you're anonymous you're just a voice on a TV. You show, nobody, nobody's taking pictures of you. Sure. I don't know how people today with social media and all the stuff that goes on around them, you know, people who really make it or are on their way up or whatever, the criticisms and the meanness, I couldn't have handled that. I, you know, I, I had my own kind of shyness about it mm-hmm. and – um, especially back then. And so I just was so happy at the thought this career existed. So he helped me make a demo tape, told me who to take it to, you know, how many there were in those days, no electronic music. Think about that. Sure. No electronics at all. It all got done with acoustic instruments and, uh, well, yeah, guitars had some effects, but sure. they were pretty primitive. Yeah, there wasn't, you know, an, you know, an electric uh, recording software, right? It wasn't Pro Tools, or it wasn't, you know, it was all the tape, and you know, the there things, was no CDs, and there was no MP3s. Well, and there was no um, being able to change a flat note you sang. Sure, you know, it, it none of that existed, and the stuff that they can do today kind of annoys me because. <laughs> um, and I, I'm not trying to sound like an like an old fart or anything, but you know, if you can go in the studio and change your voice so much, sounds beautiful, but it's not yours. And then you go out and you market that as who you are. How do you do? You must have to lip sync mm-hmm. a like a if you actually had to perform live, because. Yeah. I mean, any, any more like, like specific, like auto tune. I mean, you can, you can have it on a live rig and it's working in real time. It's depending on what exactly. you're, well, you know, okay. so it's, it's crazy. I mean, but, but, but to your my point, point yeah, is, it's not, it's not you their had voice. to have the talent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At that time, Karen Carpenter was a big mm-hmm. in the, in the seventies. And I, my voice was similar, had some of the same lower notes and, 
you know, the way I sang, sorry, um, I talk with my hands. Uh, so um, I got jingle work pretty fast. Yeah. And it, the people I worked with were astonishingly generous. So kind. Here's this new kid walking in, youngest, you know, everybody else is, is you know, they're veterans in this. And they don't have to help you. Sure. You know, they could let you. But they were helpful to me in every way they could be. And we all became, all the female singers, there weren't all that many of us. So to get into that uh, club of of the most talented singing you could mm-hmm. imagine and um, and their kindness and get, you know, helping me to do my job better. And uh, it was the best career you could ever have until the eighties came and everything changed because now you have electronic music and you have a lot of tools so that people who don't really have the talent to write this stuff, you know, all the quality started to go down, mm. but they could do it cheaper than somebody who could orchestrate things. And sure. So um, the business started to change, but, you know, I hung in there and did, did what I do. I did it for about probably, you know, 23 or so years. Wow. And then I said, it's changed so much that, um, I don't enjoy it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and you, did, you did, you know, just for the listening audience, you did, you know, jingles for companies like McDonald's and uh, Wrigley and, you know, gum, the, like the chewing gum and things like that. So, you know, in case Kentucky they didn't fried quite know. chicken, yeah. all the big corporate stuff. And then you had some of the littler stuff and United Airlines was a, a big one. Mm-hmm. I did La Choy, Incredible Edible Egg. It's it's all on the website, sure. actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, but the the thing of it, like, what's it, it's it might sound strange to some people, but those are the things that you don't think about. Just like you were saying, like jingles. What is, what is this? And it's yeah. a career, but it's like it's these little things that are so catchy that somebody's on the other end of that, producing that or making that, and it just sticks and sticks and sticks. So you got to think about people, like, you know, especially from you know like your age bracket. There's probably hundreds of thousands of people that know your jingle. Oh, yeah. But they may not know Lori Cole. They may, you no, know, but it's, they so don't it's, know who it's an interesting it. thing to be like, well, that is my career and that's what I do. Um, but yeah, like you say, you're not in the limelight. You know, you're not a, a pop star, so to speak. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that is, that's kind of a crazy, what's the last, do you remember the last one you did? Was that in the, like closer to the 90s or? Okay. Yeah. Do you remember in the last the one you did? I don't remember the oh. last one I did because <laughs> I don't know if I thought. Sure. Oh, this is the last one. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to just, you know, lower the, you know, the boom on everything. Yeah. It just, it, you know, I got to do something really fun. And if you love what you do, um, you know, you're not working. Sure. Absolutely. It's, you know, that's really lucky. And uh, there's a lot of talented singers out there. And we're back been always there have been talented people but i got to actually 
do something with my voice that made me an you know at the time a lot more money than I would have earned you know doing something else sure and it wasn't even I would have done it for free I loved it so much it was just great yeah and then I uh, I segued into I bought a sound company so we did live sound. Mm. Which is totally different than <laughs> yeah. I Studio mean, as, you yeah. know. But we provided the sound for you name a, you know, from I would say, not so much, re- you know, now, but mm-hmm. um, back then when I started, and we did everybody. We we provided sound for everybody was that in the chicago area as well yeah okay we yeah. did everything at grant park okay for uh all the different festivals that that were or millennium park if anybody's listening from chicago sure no there's a couple <laughs> yeah <laughs> got some really good friends that live out there yeah that's, um, that's where name I some of the from. artists Lori. steve winwood uh let's see some of the artists uh james taylor oh just some small people yeah. No, there were really <laughs> no. big names no, no, no. that that did yeah. this, and you know, I'm not taking credit for any. I mean, sure. I got to the only thing that was great. I got to watch from the wings mm. instead of out in the audience, and you know, you got to see who was nice and who was just very standoffish, or you know, there's all kinds of people. And yeah, yeah. the live sound world is is strange. I've got a really good friend. He was actually the first guest on this podcast, and. um he kind of rose through the ranks and was lead, you know, engineer for some just monster bands traveling the world and had built this insane career. Um, probably could have done it maybe, you know, for the next 30 years. And um, it just out of nowhere, he had thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And he just decided that he was going to, in his last year of eligibility, he was going to enroll in the army. And <laughs> wow, it was just like, I mean, you know, and he had texted me and, and asked, you know, please don't say anything. And I'm not going to make it public until I'm done with boot camp. And, you know, it was like one of those things I was like, oh, God, are you, I mean, that's a big, that's a big change. And you were sure. I mean, we're, we're way into our thirties, man, you know? And he was like, yeah, I've always, yeah, I'm, I'm sure about this. I mean, you know, and it was like with absolute conviction, he was like, I, I just, this, I've done everything that I think I can do as a live sound engineer. And I've seen, and I've been all over the world, and I still do not feel an ounce of fulfillment. And he's like, I just, I have to do something that has meaning. You know, I've got to do something. If it's not just for me, it's got to have a bigger, grander picture. And it was just, it blew me away. I was just like, and I love him to death. And I still, you know, he, he I talked to him all the time, you know, how's it going? And, and you know, it, it was kind of some weirdness about it. You know, he did lose a, a lot of uh, online following, you know, a big, really big following. Um and uh, after that first post of like, you know, his graduation day, it was like, whew, like lost half of his followers, lost some real friends in real life, not on oh. social media. And it was kind well, of a shame, but it was just, yeah, I mean, just, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, so, wow. But that, that you just, know, kind of, that was a, a tangent, nasty. but the, uh, you know, the live sound world is, you know, hearing some of his stories, it's just, it's wild. You oh, know, it's just. If it, he, if he joined the army after doing what he did. It was probably really easy for him because (laughs) people think that, you know, when they go to a a show that's doing a tour in their city and they go to the show, they have no idea how 
how much work goes into that. Mm -hmm. The lighting, the sound, um, the staging, uh, if there's dancing, if there's, you know, it's, it's so complex and it's really hard work. Yeah. There's nothing glamorous about it. You know, I've been crawling on the floor, you know, pulling wires and, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, and I owned a sound company and I'm a woman who owns a sound company, which didn't exist. And a lot of men, especially the ones who've been around, you know, since like the fifties or something, that's how they acted. They're like, you know, you work for, I heard him saying to one of my employees, you work for that broad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Uh, anyway, you know, just, but it was a, it, it was fun for a while. Sure. You know, yeah. and I learned a lot about, you know, all of that, which is kind of what you have had to set up here. And, uh, and the technology has changed even, I mean, it's just unbelievable what um, my partner, Art, who couldn't make it today, um, what he can do, you know, and everything is is digital. Yeah. And it's been a lot of fun doing songs again and being able to, um, I spent my whole life in the studio, basically, and or on a stage, you know, in, in the wings, it's lovely to have this. I I recorded so much music over the years just because I, I loved it. I mm. loved being in the studio. So when we started this, uh, Art and I did, and we started making, uh, you know, doing songs, and we wanted to twist them a little bit, change them a little bit. So it was more our style. And... And then uh, Steve could started, you know, doing the videos, mm-hmm. and he had to learn the the. I'm an electronics engineer. What the heck do I know about making a video? But I learned. <laughs> sure, sure. You know? absolutely. When so when did you start? Um, you know, so obviously you got the we've got the the jingle um, stuff, but and that's all probably produced and created. And yes, you are the voice behind a lot of those jingles and then you have your live sound. When did you start or was it kind of in, in the same time frame to write music of your own and record that and, and get, you know, cause there's a completely different fulfillment. I would imagine. I of, have not been a songwriter. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I wrote one song in my life mm-hmm. and it wasn't bad. I've listened to it. It's just, I, I recorded it like in the seventies and you know, it's, it could be a lot better, but you know, for my first effort, it was okay. Sure. Um, and we're changing it, so we're going to release that. But we're going to try too. to make it a country western song, or change, you know. And because it's my song, mm-hmm. I don't have to get permission to do anything. And sure. We'll see what we can do with it to make it more about today. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, but that's just one thing. But it's been so much fun to just be in the studio that Art created. In a bedroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're yeah. like, well, the bed's over here. We sure. can't. <laughs> and Steve's trying to film us doing live stuff. And it's like, how do I cut that out? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not very glamorous sure. at all, but it's fun. Yeah. So when did you move out here? 
So you were in Chicago uh, and you had the live sound thing, but when did you move to the Colorado region? My parents built a house in Bayfield. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, in 81. And, you know, loved it, used it. Um, and then in 96, my dad got sick. And my mom didn't want to have to deal with it. She, she It was too much. And so I started coming out all the time mm -hmm. to especially in the summer, you know, sure. make sure the lawn's getting mowed and water is flowing and all of, I don't, there's a zillion things. But I permanently moved out here in 99. Okay. Where mm -hmm. I wasn't, uh, I still had the sound company, but I would, I would commute. Yeah. Fly back and handle and business. So, and... it, when you're not in summer, mm -hmm. then there's a zillion shows because everybody's out and doing stuff and, but, you know, the rest of the year, I could be out here because there just wasn't that much to do. Sure. So I'm, you know, uh, I love it here. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a special place. I, I like Chicago too, but, it's, <laughs> you know, there's just a, I don't know, there's a weird aura about this place sometimes. I mean, I've tried like hell. I think I've said a bunch of times on this show that I've tried so many times to leave and, I don't know what it is, but something always just calls you back. I'm not sure if it's family or friends or small town vibe. I think those or, are pretty big you know. reasons to be called back. Yeah, all <laughs> yeah. of that. Um, yeah. All of that. This is home. Mm -hmm. Once you found your real home, like the home that's in your heart. Sure, sure. You know, I don't want to sound trite, but, you know, it's there's only one place that you're going to feel that way. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. I mean, it's... Um, Sometimes I, I'm, I'm, I feel like, like, man, it could have been a place closer to the beach or something. <laughs> you know, I think you can go just, to the beach anytime yeah, you want, <laughs> though, and but you wouldn't have this. Yeah, yeah. So you met. Um, so what is Art's last name? I'm sorry, Art. Your your production. Oh, Art Hughes. Art Hughes. Okay, and he's your production partner, right? Okay, so explain that process that you guys have that working relationship do you does he write the the music and you no, write the we, lyrics we or like what is do cover songs okay uh sometimes we do original ones but for the most part we do cover songs okay. and um he does i have to tell this story because like i was uh i've wanted to sing again for a really long time but i don't play an instrument so what are you going to do with that? Mm -hmm. Nothing. And we had a garage sale going on, and uh, all of a, a sudden I meet this woman, and we start talking. It, you know how it is when you meet somebody, and it feels like you've known them forever. Sure. So she and I, you know, connected right away. And while we're talking, she, I, you know, told her what I did or used to do, and you know, uh, she goes. Well, my husband, you know, he's he can't sing, and he's getting really bored just writing music and not having anybody to perform with, you know. Sure. So we each needed each other. We, we each had the thing that the other one wanted. And it was like the universe just said, here, you know, here you two are, and we'll use this lady to you know, this wonderful lady, she's a dear friend of mine, um, to, you know, bring you together. And working with art is 
the one of the most pleasurable experiences I've ever had working with anybody. Um, he's just a wonderful human and uh, very talented. Oh my God. He taught himself to, to engineer. Sure. When he set his studio up. <laughs> yeah. we'll I've been standing, we'll figure it out. <laughs> looking at it, you know, and I still don't understand, mm. you know, how he knows how to do all that. But yeah. um, he's very calm and easy to work with. And no, we decided that we're doing this for one reason. Because we really want to share some of this beautiful music with people. It's not, is it contemporary Um not it's kind of more universal you know we're not doing the music of today necessarily um but we do the songs we like sure yeah so of course they're not going to be necessarily the ones yeah that, but I, that, that's um, music though i mean you have right. to you know i mean the stuff that i play with with my friends is you know, completely different than the stuff that I play on an acoustic guitar in front of my kids at a campfire. You know, it's like there's different times and you like different slivers and not every one person is going to love what you do. But at the end of the day, you know, I think people forget, I forgot about it, you know, having been a musician and traveling and touring and you start at some point, you start to think, and sometimes you need to like sell a t-shirt to get gas to the next venue and stuff like that. But you, you, you lose at times. Why'd you start it? You started playing music because you loved it. You started, uh, you know, sitting around Dr. Dan's campfire, you know, by the pool and playing with his son because you heard this song that you really just loved and you couldn't stop trying to figure out how he played it on the record, you know. And so it's like if you lose that, then you've lost everything with music. It, it's never meant to be for anyone else. It's always meant to be for yourself. And I think you do have to tell yourself that not everybody's going to like this and that's okay. And it may not be pop culture. It may not be, you know, for today's times and grow to the, you know, the hundreds of thousands and millions of followers, but that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's like, it's only ever meant for you. And if it was only ever you and art that heard this music, then that's also a hundred percent win. You well, know? it's so, the process that we love. Yeah. It's not some, the goal, the goal isn't to, for us, I can't speak for anybody else. If you're doing it to sell it and, make money and whatever you know that's great if, i had a career and it was a really good one and i was so lucky to have it so now i feel like all i want to do about singing is is do it for the joy of doing it mm -hmm. and that's it that is my only uh and art too that's he feels exactly the same way i do so it makes such a nice partnership because if it isn't fun why are we doing it sure yeah absolutely but then steve who had so much more uh experience in uh photography and the whole visual end of things that um he made a video for us for a song just I'm on my iphone yeah <laughs> sitting on the couch just going through it yeah, he had all these pictures that he'd taken, mm. and that was our first song. And he put together just this collage of beautiful places in Colorado, you know, and it it, it worked, I think, you know. 
our music is is really designed to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling low, it's going to raise you up. It's true. Sure. And yeah. and I like to what we started more recently is I want to sing songs that have a meaning to help other people that need the help or causes or whatever. If we, you know, we'll do regular stuff too, Mm -hmm. but I want it to be more meaningful. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you have a song. I actually want to bring it up real quick. It was, um, Ship, uh, shipwreck, right, is the name of it. I want to mm-hmm. bring that up real quick um, because, you know, looking looking at your your page, um, it's very soft. This one real quick. Let me just bring this up. This song had a lot of meaning to me. Of. You know, when you're really sad or lost someone or whatever is making you, you know, not like your life right now. That's what that's for. And the first time I heard it, I just, I loved it. You know, had to do it. And I looked at it differently. Spending 25 years in the Navy, these are the kind of feelings a sailor feels when you're out at sea and you just can't wait to get home mm-hmm. you know like there's no place not like home and this, that's why it's the ship and you'll see it's rough seas in the very beginning and towards the end you'll see the lighthouse at the end and it's all calm seas i made it yeah i'm here i mean it definitely it's, it's got the you know that song definitely has a um kind of a I would say an older feel, right? But it's like it takes you to. For me, I hear things it's like this. Kind of like, timeless. Yes, yeah. It, but it takes you. And this is the thing I love about music. And when I heard this the other day, it takes you to a certain time frame, and that can be for multiple things, right? For you, yeah. it's completely different than when Lori and Art wrote it. And then mm-hmm. when I hear it, it's like it we takes didn't me back write to. It. Oh no, no. I'm, I mean, no. I'm sorry. When when you recorded it, right? You know, I have to be very careful yeah. <laughs> about not taking credit <laughs> sure, for something sure. I didn't write. No, absolutely. But I mean, it's it's very timeless feeling, but it also takes you to a moment in time, and that's what intrigued me when I did hear it, because um, I've, I have those songs. And I think we all have those songs where they play, and it could be something that you haven't had you shuffle on your iPhone or whatever for two or three years, and then that like chord strikes and it takes you to a specific memory, you know? And, and I love that. So I, 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 it's interesting to hear you say that you had a completely different perspective of not only the video, but also the, what the song made you feel viscerally. And it it had an impact completely different than it's impacting me. And so, but, but it does have a very timeless feel, big, bold, gigantic vocals. Right. And, um, yeah, I just, so you, you started to, to get into it. And I just wanted to give the listening audience, you know, a second to say, you know, this is a type of song that you're writing. And so for this song specifically, what, what spoke to you? I mean, knowing that you want to write songs that uplift, uplift people. You want to write songs that, songs that, songs that, yes. Well, I, I'm sorry. I say, right. I, I should, you want to record songs that uplift, uplift people. So when that, I heard it, um, I really don't remember what was going on 
in my life except it was I wasn't feeling very happy you mm-hmm. know I was and it made me hopeful when I heard it I listened to it really closely and uh, it spoke to me you know that's that's the thing about music it speaks different things to different people and but I thought it's a hopeful song because that's what it's talking about you know all these things will happen and I love the video that Steve did because we all go through our lives and that's what the ship you know and and sometimes we don't reach a port you know that we would like to have or like to be and but you do come home at one point. Sure. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's... Um, and you could put spiritual meanings into it. And, you mm-hmm. for you know, it has a, a wide um, message in it that can be used depending on who you are and what you believe in and whatever. But it's a song about hope. Yeah. And how you're feeling that day. Sure. You know, I mean, there, I- there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... And we um, need that right can, now. We you, really need that right now. Everybody... I meet a lot of very unhappy people mm-hmm. with everything that's happened and that everybody's tired and just wants to go home. Sure. You know, right. and so that hopefully rings a, a bell with them. Sure. But that's the kind of songs I like to sing that are hopeful or that have a message that I can, and I can really sing out in, you know, in the way that I want to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so what, um, I was going to look at, there was one other video that we had talked about and I wanted to just bring this up because I thought, and maybe, um, is it, and then I saw your face or? Yes, that's okay. it. Okay. That's it with a lady out yeah. the window. It's yeah. got a great story before you play it. Okay. Steve and I were, uh, engaged and we were going to be getting married and I decided that the best gift that I could give him would be a song. And I listened to a lot of songs. I don't write, so I I just didn't, you know, I could that it was not uh, going to happen. So I started listening just to a lot of music. Which one do I want to sing? Which one will have meaning to Steve? And because we met later in life, um, you know, there had to be some reference to that. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, you know, get to a certain age and, you know, they, they make a different kind of life for themselves, you know, stages of life. But um, I heard this song, a friend of mine wrote it, actually, and he had somebody do a demo of it because he's just a composer. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I heard it, I went, that's saying everything I feel. So um, I I recorded it and I played it uh, when we got married and we were going to do our first dance together. Um, that was a song that was playing and I, I dedicated it to him um, as my present to him. Is this going to make me cry, Lori? I'm, it did, it, did, <laughs> it me. did for a lot of people. <laughs> Oh, at the at the wedding, is, I'll tell me, you what, yeah. there wasn't a dry eye. Sure, yeah. because a lot of people in life 
go through what the story tells. Yeah. And, you know, you're only just one block away, but you never get to meet that person. But when you do, you know right off the bat, that's the person. Yeah. I'm going to hear it now. And that's Art's beautiful uh, orchestration in the intro. Such a rich voice. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you very much. But I was always one block behind you with the one I want so much, never close enough to touch. It's very timeless. I mean, like you, you nailed it. That's that's such a good like <laughs> you know, it still brings tears to my eyes yeah. when I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, it definitely, um, I mean, gosh, it, when I hear you sing, you're just, you're, the, the way you, the way you sing, it's, is it's taking me back to a specific time period, almost of like, uh, I mean, it helps too that we've got the aid of the visual effect here, but it's, it's a very like cinematic like old, old, older movie that just like that you can hear the orchestra. You can hear if you've got a rom com or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. You could use that or yeah. a part of it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 really interesting because I can you know I, had I never even met you, I could definitely say okay, like I can see that she was. She, maybe you're not trained, but like you grew up singing this style of music. Like you honed your skills around that style. And I was, and it's, I was, you know, I and did but a it's very, school. it's very present though in the way that you sing. Even it's completely different. And so it's it it's really interesting that that's what you're, you know, that is who you are in the way that you sing. You know, you're not trying to do something that's new age. You're not trying to do something that's not you. It's you know, and, but anybody who hears this, they will know that immediately. You know, and they'll hear that, and it's like, and that's why I go back to that comment a little while ago. It's like this music isn't for everybody, right? But it's it's perfect if it if it's for you, and that way that you sing will naturally affect other people that like that style, and it's like they can take them back, and even though they may not know that you wrote that, or, or I'm sorry that you sang that for Steve, you know it could take them back to a specific moment in their lives, or help them get through something, and kind of show 
this light. Or they you know? want to use it in their wedding. That yeah. wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I love about music like this, yours and 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 others, is that they don't forget the law of crescendos. Music is meant to move you. It's meant to ebb and flow. And that's one of the things that kills me with with um, just music in general. It can be any type of genre anymore. We're so, it's, we got to get to the point in five seconds. I love when an artist has the ability to, and I don't know if you do really much anymore unless you become so famous, but I love when the artist has the ability to actually take time to write a song, you know, to take you through a journey. Like when you get to finally hear a song like that, it's like, Okay, he either had a ton of studio time and money, or they just said, you know what, we know that your name, you know, is going to sell this, you know, and it, they just allow that artist to just do their thing, and it's so beautiful. Well, I'm excited that it's at least getting out onto, you know, whatever people are listening to my uh, website and all the songs we have on there. During the summer, we get a lot of hits on this song. A lot. That's good. And I it's mean, all younger people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's- But it's um, timeless. It, it was, it, <laughs> it's, it's timeless. It's, it jumps, you know, it jumps, uh, it, it jumps age demographic, right? You can appreciate it from, from different age groups, you know? And I think that's, but I do, your, your comment a few seconds ago about, you know, wanting to uplift. I mean, I can hear it. You know, everything that I've gone through and kind of just peeked out and checked out, you, I know that that's there for you. I know that I know that maybe you need it more than the people listening to it. Maybe sometimes you need, like you, you also need to be uplifted by what you're doing. And I can feel that. And I can hear that in what you're doing um, with these songs. And so I think that um, I j- just stay the course, you know, just keep doing it because it's going to uplift somebody. And if, and if it's just one that's person, the point. You know, that's the whole point. Um, I made, CDs like years ago, there was no internet and any of that. And I would just give it to, you know, if I was talking to somebody, I didn't have to know them well or mm. whatever. And I just give them a CD. And, you know, they'd call me back and go, Oh, I thought this was going to be like, you know, oh no, how do I say anything to her <laughs> afterwards? You know, it would be horrible. Yeah. Um, and they're, surprised and they're like oh that was really good cd (laughs) you know um so i'm just grateful if i can help somebody or like i said just raise them up a little bit when they're having a really bad day Mm -hmm. or every song on there uh will do that and we have a song savage daughter that deals with uh the me too movement Mm -hmm. um very personal to me. Uh, and we have... Um, times like these. Well, and times like these. And that's that's the latest thing we've been doing. And I want Steve to talk about, you know, how that came about and what it means. And Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, there's... You can, as you're looking through the videos, you, you can tell that there's a huge... Um, kind of a an element that's that's showcasing um, your affection of supporting the veterans, right? There's multiple videos over there. The you know, I, f- I forget if it's a a carousel. I think is when you're shuttling through different still images and things right. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you, you can tell it, that it means something, right? If it's one, it's like, oh, well, this song kind of sounded like, you know, it could cater to the veterans, but it's multiple. And so when I when I saw that, I was it seems like there's, okay, these songs are uplifting, but there's another smaller meaning behind, yeah, they're uplifting, but who are they uplifted well, this you know, for? Song, this particular song was written by a guy I used to do jingles with. And I recorded it. Well, he wrote it right after 2001. He lost a couple of friends in the towers. Mm -hmm. So it was a very, very personal song for him. And I recorded it back then in 2002 because I had heard it and I thought this is really meaningful. And, mm -hmm. and I didn't have a way to get it out in the world or anything. I just, like I told you, I would make, I would go in and sing songs in a studio and, you know, pay for them mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and just, uh, you know, whatever I heard that, that resonated with me was, and that song really resonated with me. And when Steve told me, he'll tell his story, I said, I got a song for that. We could make, we could get this out there and hopefully make more people aware of what's going on. And, you know, they need, you can't make change unless you make people aware of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And this is a much more pleasant way of telling a very awful story. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, yeah, what that, that's the, you know, I can see it, I can feel it, but I was just really curious as to, you know, what is, what's the driving factor um, around getting this out to the veteran community? I've lost some friends that committed suicide. And uh, this is going to make me emotional. Um, and, you know, there, since 2016, 22 American veterans have committed suicide every single day. And Lori and I started talking about it, and we found this song. But this was... You know, in the song, it says, everyone knows someone. And that's true. Everybody does know someone. You might, you might know that they were in the military, but you might say that they're quiet. They're just, not, they're, just, they're just quiet today. Well, they're quiet for a reason. Or they don't want to talk about what they did in the military. Or they don't want to talk about what they saw while they were in the military. And that quietness sometimes is a, a problem. They need to get help. I know I have felt that way, and I got the help. I'm still getting the help that I needed because um, you can't unsee or undo or you can't unring the bell. And when you get out of the military, it's, uh, you know, they train you like there's no tomorrow mm -hmm. to be there. But when you leave, bye. There's no training to get you ready for a civilian life. And it really affects some some veterans. And... This was our ability. And when I did the video, I go, you know, both Lori's dad and my dad were in the military in World War II. And we used some of our relatives' pictures in there because it was cheaper. I didn't have to buy pictures <laughs> sure, to do, this, do the yeah. video. So, but it was like, I want to start from our parents to today. Well, World War II. Yeah. I, I said, let's, let's do, you know, for the video— uh, and let's span all the wars that have happened yeah. that, 
you know, we know of. I mean, Cor- that the Korean we have, War. Uh, that have actually yeah. impacted us. The Korean War was called the Forgotten War. Mm-hmm. Nobody remembers that. Sure. And I know veterans that are still alive that lost all their toes because they almost froze to death. So I started in World War II, and I was telling a story. And the story is where we are, goes to where we are today. And you'll see a young man with his head in his hands. And I've felt that way. I've done that. And it's it's like, you know, there's nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Nobody really cares what I did. Why did I put 25 years of my life or five years or whatever the case may be into being in the military if nobody really cares what we're doing? Sure. Well, you don't hear it on the news. You don't read it in the newspaper. Nobody's talking about those 22 American veterans killing themselves every day. And this was our ability to get it out there. Gary Sinise's foundation has used it. Uh, Mission 22 has used it because they're trying to get the awareness out to people that this is what's happening. You know, we didn't, we don't want any money for it. We didn't want to, we just wanted to donate it to whoever wanted it. And we're still, I'm working on another commercial for another company. And we're not done with it. I mean, um, it takes time. Sure, absolutely. But it's, I want people to hear this and to share it and get it out there so that everybody knows, you know, we need to help these men and women because they're suffering silently. And sometimes during a time of crisis, you know, dialing 911 isn't quick enough. Sure, absolutely. They don't know what to do with you anyway. Yeah. So, anyways, that was our ability we, or my ability to get with Lori's voice to get this out, so that you know, it, maybe it, people take notice. Yeah. So uh, we have on the video all the numbers they can call mm-hmm. when they're in crisis, and you know, so on the original video that we did, Gary Sinise is on the end of it, and uh, it's a it's a glimpse of Forrest Gump. And uh, he's, uh, you know, he, he, you know, forced, I mean, uh, Lieutenant Dan got out of it. He lost his legs and, you know, he came back to the real life and he was able to handle that. He goes, but some people can't. And he goes, and, and then he's, this is when he was singing in the band and a news reporter, we got copies of it. And uh, he goes, if there's days that you feel like nobody, just nobody really cares about what you've done. Mm-hmm. I want you to remember this day. Because they were doing a concert. This day. We care. All of us care. And I want you to remember this day. So when you leave here, don't forget about what's happened here today. And uh, he's making a difference. And this is our attempt to try to make a, di- a difference with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> you know, that's, um, God, there are so many, so, so many things, you know, to unpack there. I, 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 I feel so bad for for the men and women that have come home from any you know whatever that is if that's you know actually being boots on the ground in a war um or just having gone through it and still you know coming or leaving maybe that camaraderie or you know coming back to real life or having to adapt to what life outside of the military is you know and and my father-in-law vietnam war vet you know just the hearing the stories of you know, like the the troubles of going to the VA, the 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 length that it takes to get things done. You know, I mean, it's great that sometimes it's there, right? They they do help, but it seems like there's just it's just as soon as you go, you do your service, thank you, bye, and then that's it. Like you said, you know, bye. Like, and it doesn't stop there. There's no there's there's no 
layers of how to reenter. You know, there's no layers of prolonged help. You know, there's no, it's, it's just like everything always feels like I talk to these veterans. Um, and I've talked at length to my father-in-law, you know, for almost 20 years now. And it's like everything that I hear him say, and he's, he's just anymore. It's just, it's commonplace. You know, I got to go to the VA. I got to go to Albuquerque. I got to, you know, whatever. But everything that he tells me, it just seems like a Band-Aid. Yeah. You know, we're giving you a Band-Aid. Get out of our hair for another six months. Come back and here's another Band-Aid. Or and, they make it so difficult and so hard. And, you know, you got to talk to this person. Or now you got to go over and talk to this office. Now this office. And it's such a runaround. And they're that in if crisis. You're in, they if you're can't in crisis, yeah. you... You, you don't want to be on the computer. You don't want to be watching TV. You just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And I originally moved to Bayfield because I wanted to be left alone. I couldn't stand anybody walking behind me. I, I could hear their footsteps. You're always hyper vigilant, and you just want to be alone. Well, the VA makes it so difficult that they just quit. They just stop calling. Mm-hmm. They don't ask for help anymore. And it's really not through any fault of their own. It's just they don't understand. I was hurt on active duty, and in 2010, I started tripping all over my feet. I couldn't, didn't know where my feet were. I couldn't even sign my name. And uh, so anyways, I go, I go to uh, a local doctor, surgeon here, and told me what he could do to fix it, and it could be fixed. But I still had to report it to the VA. So I go to the VA and see a neurosurgeon, and they go, uh, well, Commander, we're going to fix you. We're going to fuse your neck from C2 to C7. And I go, oh, no, you're not. I mean, that's 1950s technology. Sure. I go, why don't you just tell me the truth? You don't have one any doctors here that are qualified to do this new surgery. And she's like, yes, that's true. I go, would you put that in writing for me? Yeah. She goes, no. If you do this on your own, you've got to pay for it all. So I went to my senator, and I told him, I go, you're my last help, stitch of hope. And he goes, no, I'm your first and from that day forward, my name was mentioned on the House floor. From that day forward, you know, the VA got looked into. And uh, because I have a stick-to-itiveness, um, you know, I was able to get my the operation that I wanted and I needed. I can move my head up and down and everything works. Mm-hmm. And I can walk and talk and I'm not paralyzed. So I stuck to it, but not everybody does. Sure. Yeah. So if they're not going to do it, I'm going to help them. Yeah. Whatever help they need. You know, Lori and I are going to lead them in the right direction one way or another. And some of, part of it's through her music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so you, you say stick to it. I, th- I think another big thing, and, and this this has come up a ton on this podcast, not necessarily about veterans, but I think that just people in general, as and veterans included, um, we need to get past as a society the stigma of saying it's okay that you have an issue, right? You may not know what that is. You may not be able to define what that is. You may just feel off and that off could take place for the next six years and it's wrong and it's, but it's compounding, right? Every day that you're off, it takes longer to get back to right. That's right. And I think that there's a huge stigma with both men and women, but primarily at this point, men are, are, are afraid it's it's shown as a sign of weakness, especially with the military, right? Like you you you've been trained to be a badass, right? For a lack she of better terms, she heard this from me. I don't know how many times. I can handle this myself. Sure, yeah. I can handle it. Well, then it got to a point where I couldn't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. But at least because I have a wife and a daughter and a son that that care about me and noticed what I was doing and what I was going through, that I got the help that I needed. You know, sometimes 
men and women, they just don't have that. And um, I'm doing, both, all of us are doing the most that we possibly can to make sure that they get the help they need before the crisis. Sure. So that they can, they can already get the tools in their toolbox to handle situations. Uh, when I retired, I found out that, holy crap, there's rules out here in <laughs> real America. My God, I haven't had rules in 25 years. Sure. Now the military has rules, but when you're in a, a war zone or whatever, it's save your butt time. It's not rule time. So it, it was it was hard for me to transfer from military life to civilian life. Sure, I can only imagine. I mean, I, you know, it just seems like that's um, and and I, you know, I would hope that with all of this awareness that's that's coming to light, that reentry is a big focus. I from talking recently with a couple of people, I don't know that it's as big as we would hope. Um, I do think that it's a, it's a hot topic right now and it's said a lot, but I think just like with everything else, sometimes it gets said and it's like, it falls on deaf ears. Right. And so, I mean, the, the reentry process is so massive for any individual, no matter how many years they have in, because you are right. I mean, to be without rules or a certain set of rules that are completely different than civilized life, that yeah, becomes ingrained in you. And especially like, you know, you, you talk about an 18 year old person a human being well if they're in there for a four or five year term whatever they signed up for like their their brain is still growing you know they're they're becoming an adult with all of a sudden these pretty confined set of rules you can and can't do this and when it's go time richard it's go yeah but when you you've put five years of learning into a person really really confined into these certain sets of rules to come back in to go we should be fine like what do you mean? You pluck them out as a child and now they're coming in as a young adult and you expect them to just know? And they've seen things that, yeah. that we as civilians can't, you know, it's not like the movies. Sure, yeah. You hurt their feelings really quick and it's like, I didn't mean to do that. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I worked for the city for five years and I would answer emails or text messages. I would be short and to the point. Either yes, go ahead and do it, or no, that's not authorized, whatever the case may be. I had one young person come up to me and go, are you mad at me, sir? I go, no. So well, you didn't elaborate on in this. Mm -hmm. I go, well, you know, we're all really busy. I gave you the answer you needed, and I'm not mad at anybody. Sure. But people take you a different way, and you have to learn that in the civilian world, maybe sometimes you have to elaborate, and you have to explain. And, you know, you, they just don't know it all the time. So um, it's, it's a different world. But you have to learn how to, how to live in it and, uh, and be part of the community. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's amazing that, you know, you guys are, are doing this. So, you know, one of the things is, and, and not so much recently, but, you know, there's a lot of, I, with multiple foundations, not necessarily veteran, but also others, like people are getting, rightfully, they're they're questioning how much of their dollar goes to the foundation, right? And how much of it goes to the person that the foundation is helping. And so there's been all these reports, all these studies. I mean, there's some horrific ones out there. They're like 50%, you know, some of them are 80, some of them are 90, right? Um, and I do understand the concept of like, you know, a foundation does have to have a bit of public reach. You know, they do have to promote, you know, they do have to be out there in the face and they have to maybe have volunteers, but they, they have to pay a certain amount. And that does cost money, you know, so that you're a notable, you know, like Air Shanice is very notable, right? You know, people within the veteran community, uh, wounded warriors, like, you know, people, you know, the Fisher House, they, they yeah. know 
those those programs. They only know them because they spend money to make sure that they're promoting so that they can get future donations or continue donations. And But a lot of people in the public right now are having huge issues, you know, and one that came up, um, and this has been a few years back, but was with the with, with wounded warriors, you know, and there was, I think, you know, state officials called it lavish spending, right? And so the, those two two gentlemen were, were fired and replaced. And I think that wounded warriors is kind of getting its notoriety back, they are, right? They're, starting, they're getting, starting to rebuild and, you know, like maybe we took our eye off the ball or whatever the case scenario is and they're coming back. But it's really weird with the general public. It's like anymore in our culture, it's like if you mess up once, you're done. You know, we're not going to forgive and we're not going to forget. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've read some things and seen some things that, you know, they're coming back and they're doing really good, you know? And so I, I would, I, I don't know if you guys have an opinion of if one is better than the other, or if, you know, you're electing to go with this foundation versus that foundation because they've got certain like niche pockets, maybe that's reentry or something like that. But for people that are listening that have considered this, if it's a dollar a day, if it's a $500, you know, whatever, you know, they look on the internet and I mean, you could probably type, you know, top veteran, you know, programs and there'd be 25 or more. And it's like, how do I, how do I know how do which I one know, is going to you know, get and, the money where it belongs? Yeah. And I understand, I mean, you know, for anybody listening, these foundations, they, they do need money to operate. Right. But you, you can kind of do a little bit more deep diving to see, okay, what is this going to, and look at the reports and things of that nature, but it does cost money. So if you think you donate a dollar, that whole dollar is never going to go to the individual that's being helped by the foundation because they do have to run at the end of the day, even though it's a nonprofit, it's a business. They have costs. And if you have concerns about it, you know, like when we, I, I'm talking to all these different uh, foundations with our song and when I tell them that, we're donating it to them. They almost pass out on me. And but but I asked them because I was in the military, I asked them the hard questions all the time. Yeah. And it's like I want to know more about your organization. I want to know what you're doing. What is what is it? I don't want to know what your bottom line is. I want to know what you're doing this year for veterans mm -hmm. or disabled veterans or uh, uh, veterans of foreign wars, whatever the case may be. What are you actually doing for them? And I make them tell me or I'm not going to donate it to you. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I don't want anything for it. There needs to be more people that are kind of like Lori and I, where I'm not expecting anything from you. But I do expect if I give that you do what you say you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I do keep an eye on it and I will watch you. And I want to make sure that these vets are taken care of because, you know, you can't just blame it all on the VA. You know, it's a large organization, and usually the right hand doesn't talk to the left hand. And sure. There's a lot of people in the middle. But there's a lot of people out here in the world that have the means and the capability to help, and a lot of them aren't doing it. And we're just making one step forward to do it. And we have, a, we have several other songs getting ready to come out, and there's a story behind every one of them. And I want these men and women to know that they're loved and cared for, that we do care, and that um, we'll be there for them if all they have to do is call that eight one one number. Mm -hmm. I think it's eight one or it's eight one one or That's it's a it's a new number now, and I can't remember mm -hmm. what it is off the top of my head. But it's uh, it's on it's on our video. But the uh, you know get your friend to call for you. 
you know, or friends of vets, keep an eye on your friends. Make a call for them. They'll tell you they're not ready. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You should know if they're ready or not. It's like, wow, they're really close. They need to get some help. They need to talk to somebody. And I'm not the qualified person to talk to. Yeah. And take them in there and get that inform- get, get that help that they need. But not enough of that is happening. Yeah. Well, every VA is run differently. There is no... Can you come up on the mic, Lori? Um, there's no, uh, how do I put this? Adult in charge. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? (laughs) No, there's just, um, my daughter works for the VA, so I've learned a lot listening to her and they're all, like I said, they're all different. She works in a VA where if you need help, they get it. uh, They, I mean like that. They'll get you with a therapist. They'll do everything to help you. Mm-hmm. And I wish they were all like that, but they're not. Sure. And so um, that's what I think people should push for is to have uh, all the VAs do things as much the same way, at least in this particular arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it would change things. People wouldn't be dying at 22 uh, people a day. So, but it's it's a huge issue and all the red tape you'd have to go through and whatever. But I think somewhere, didn't they pass the law that, uh, yeah, it was, that, uh, you, could, that you could go to any therapist? Senator Higginlooper and uh, Senator Bennett got it for the state of Colorado that you can go to any psychologist anywhere in your hometown or wherever you are and get help and the VA will pay for it. So that's, that was one major step forward. Sure. That's for Colorado. But you know, there's, but here's when you, it's good that you do that, but it's like when I ask for somebody to talk to, I want somebody that knows something about the military Mm -hmm. because all my military career, I lied to them. I mean, if you told them the truth, how you really felt about a friend dying my my heart's being ripped out and I feel like crap, you know, you might not be doing your job anymore. So yeah, everything's good. But I'd always answer every question with a question. Mm-hmm. Well, do, well, doc, you know, how would you feel if your best friend just died? So I never really just come out and told them. Sure. I'd always do it with another question. And, and the person I'm talking to now goes, we knew that. We all know that now. You guys all lied to us. Well, now it's time to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's time to get the help. And it shouldn't be stigmatized or your commanding officer or your the higher ranking officer above you should not be making fun of you should not be making uh was it brandon's law this young sailor uh committed suicide because he was made fun of because he kept on asking for help he needed somebody to talk to something was wrong you know here something had happened and the end result was is he committed suicide (laughs) now making fun of them is not the way to go and, you know, man up and, you know, tough it out. Sometimes these young sailors and uh, soldiers, can't, they can't tough it out right now. Yeah. There's something else going on in their life. So, you know. So that's what, in a nutshell. <laughs> sure. No, I mean, I think it's really good. You know, so you can tell that with the videos, you know, you can um, tell where you're at and why you're singing them. You know, you can tell it obviously with the, 
with the visual aid behind it, you know, that there's kind of a couple of different, um, yeah, I hate to use the word motives, but meaning I would think would be a better, right. a better word, um, you know, as to why, why you're doing this, you know? And I think that, um, everything helps, you know, every little thing and, and sometimes taking a leap, you know, we, we made a joke earlier about, you know, uh, this, you know, how many hours does it take to mix these podcasts, right? Um, sometimes it doesn't matter about the hours because yeah. if, if the, the ends justify the means, then you're taking that step. And there's a lot of people that would love or they want to, right? They want to be able to help out or they would love to, you know, but sometimes it takes absolute courage to just say, I'm making a decision and I'm going to go for it. It may not be the best production. It may not be the best podcast. It may not be entertaining to anybody, but at least I took a leap of faith, yeah. right? And I think what you guys are doing is taking a leap of faith. And if it, again, and going back to it, if it helps one or two or 20 or 20,000, then the ends justify the means. And what you're doing, I think is, you know, hats off to you guys because it, it, it means something and it's hard for people to honestly take that leap, you know? And that's why I want to build a place uh, within the podcast realm to where, you know, maybe keep, people can't afford it, but they have something to say, um, even if it's a talking head and they want to just come out here and, ooh, because this, this for me has been the most therapeutic thing I've ever done in my life. I'm very much like you. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a man's man. I'm going to, I can get through this on its own. But after the first couple of conversations, you know, you just walk away from it and there's a very cathartic feeling and you feel like this relief of like, whew, okay. You know, even though I'm not talking about my problems, you know, or I'm not sitting across from a vet and them telling me about their problems, just talking in general, being across, feeling the energy from another person across the table, right. you walk away and you're like, whew, God, I feel, I feel naturally better, you know? And I want people to be able to experience that because I know that there's people that, like in, in your case, right? I would love for you guys to have an outlet to just truly just digest and discuss top to bottom what the song is about, what it means to you. And there doesn't have to be a music bed behind it, but I wrote this song and, and to have a conversation because I know a lot more people um, than, than I think that they let on that would love to just just love it and also need it. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't even nobody could ever hear it but for you to say it into this mic and put it out there into the world that is such a huge you know it's almost like talking to a therapist yeah you know it really is and so i know that you know you doing these songs is therapy for you you know there's not a single yeah. dark one on here it may have a a dark undertone and you're ha trying to help somebody get out of the darkness yeah. right but i know you're not going there to like get out aggression you're going there you can't there. raise somebody from that dark place if you're there with them sure you have to yeah. be yes. above yes. them yeah. and and really feel that way yeah. Yeah. and then that you know it's all about you can't see it but that energy goes into the person who's struggling sure and helps them you know Maybe have a better day. Yeah. Start with one day. And, and it can be something that's very simple, like this. I want you to give this to your friend that joined the Army. And when I give those out and I see a vet with a, a military hat on. It's called a challenge, challenge coin, coin. Challenge coin. For everybody and, watching. Um, the, I, I tell them, that I, I introduce myself and I tell them, 
I just want you to know, thank you for your service. doesn't seem like enough. But, you know, I want you to know, as long as you have this coin, you will never be forgotten. And, you know, sometimes they start crying and whatever. <laughs> I get a hug and a handshake and so on. But both of us walk out of wherever we are, and we're, we both feel better about everything that's going on in the world. And uh, I've had some instances where I, they won't let go of me. But, it's, you know, nobody's doing that. But thank you for your mm -hmm. service because I'm not going to forget about you. And uh, it's uh, it's better because I remember getting spit on when I first joined the military. It was at the end of the Vietnam War. And I remember those days too. Thank you for your service. is a whole lot better than somebody spitting on you. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <I would> have <laughs> Just to say a little. That, yeah. yeah. You know, I, it's, you know, Military or, or not, I mean, I, I know that your guys' focus is, is definitely on this. Like, you have a passion for it. You've been there. You've, you, this is your your driving force. But I, I think at the end of the day, like, people just need to be genuinely good human beings. Yeah. Right? And even that person's suffering, they're not a veteran. Like, it, it takes you two and a half seconds to be nice at a gas station. Say to talk hello. To the, yeah, to the attendant, right? And and it's so weird. Like, I've had people, you know, I mean, I could have shaken your hand at the door, right, Lori? But I gave you a hug. I barely know you, Right. I, the first time I ever met you was you let Drew McClure and I go fishing down at your pond. <laughs> 25 years later, I, I realized, oh, this is the same person. And all of a sudden you're married to Steve. And I know, you know, I, I didn't know that about you, but like life is full circle. Well, and right? you watch the videos. Like, it's like you get a sense of who she's all, what she's all about. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying you just, it takes no effort to just be a good person. Now, yeah, you're going to have bad and good days, but do a be, kindness yes. for someone. <laughs> just, God, I mean, yeah. just... You know, move over as a driver if you're a slower driver. Sure. Don't plant yourself in the left lane and <laughs> sure. not care about how many people you're, you know, yeah. making but you have no drive idea. much longer or whatever. But smile at somebody. Sure. Just yeah. do that and yeah. see what you get back. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I uh, you don't know what's going through. Like, I don't know what's going through your head right now today. Mm -hmm. I don't know what turmoil may or may not be in your life. So why should I be crummy to you and I don't know everything that's going on? I may be the one that puts you over the edge. Sure. And I don't want to be that person. I want to be able to say hi. And, you know, when I called you to talk to you about this, I mean, it's like I felt like I knew you forever. Well, through Matt, but it's but it sure. was like I know you. That's why I want to talk to you about this. But it's I do that with everyone just as if I knew them for many years now let's take care of the problem sure yeah yeah and that's, even if it's one person at a time yeah that's okay yep yep that's so where that's one person less the, the, feels that's like they want to die yeah the, the 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 concept of even if it's one person at a time is it has to be one person at a time yeah like everybody wants to donate so it can help multiple and it's like look you have to break this down to the microcosm like you know if if you you say everybody knows somebody in that song right yeah. Everyone mm -hmm. knows somebody. I don't care. I could give two shits if you agree with any military action, the military itself, that person on the or receiving into that siren that's going through that, that's been in the military, that's come back and now living in, in civilized life, they're a human being. Yeah. It doesn't matter their decisions that they made to go into the military. Well, they I, made the come, decision to go in, but they didn't make the decision to do what they did. Yes. Was, yeah. You know, people way above them. I mean, there was things that I was ordered to do that I yeah. thought, I don't 
I want to do this. Sure, absolutely. You know, I clicked my heels, I don't know how many times, never made it back to Kansas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> I don't yeah. really want, this is not the situation I want to be in right now, but mm -hmm. I have to deal with it. Yeah. So but it's it, it's hard. It has to start with one person. Yep. And you do know, somebody knows somebody. Yep. And most of the time, unfortunately, somebody knows somebody who's suffering. Yeah. You know, and it, and it doesn't, you don't have to be the person to, to, to pick up a hotline and flag them in. It can be a simple conversation of like, you know, just asking them. And are you okay? Yeah. They might say, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm yeah. Like, okay, well, Hey, if you're not, I'm here. I'm, I'm a phone call away, yeah. you know, or I'm a, I just want you to know, know I care about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Our text message, right. I, I, I mean, you know, it sounds minuscule, but sometimes just to say, Hey man, how's it going? Like out of the blue, you know, I'm checking in on you, right. We're supposed to check in on each other. We're supposed to be a community. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to mean community of a thousand people. You know, it can be five of your best friends. And I'm just checking in on you today. I'm just saying hi. I haven't heard heard from yeah. you in a couple of yeah. days. Are you okay? Is everything all right? Yeah. Just wanted to say hi. Well, it's just something to think about. Sure. And, yeah. you know, um, there's no judgment there. You just try to be kind. Yeah. And I think that's what we lack a lot of sure yeah. <laughs> yeah. everybody's me 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 everybody's mean and they're they're self-absorbed and well it's um, just people need to look outside themselves and see where they might be able to do some good sure yeah i mean and real quick and i do i don't want to harp on it much longer but you know if you're mean to somebody chances are it's rooted in a self-problem anyways right yeah you're also hurting so sometimes just by the same thing as this microphone, right? You're yelling into empty space. It doesn't matter if anybody ever hears this. Sometimes if you just ask that person how they're doing, again, it goes back to the therapy of a conversation. It changes it, You everything. are releasing something yeah. to go, you know, I do care. I can get past my own stuff. And then there might be the opposite response of like, I'm doing okay. How about yourself? Whoa, when was the last time somebody asked me how I was doing? I know. You know what I mean? And so it, it there's a really strong possibility that by asking or treating somebody nice that you also gain something from it, right? Oh, so, definitely you know, gain something you, from it. You might be able to eventually cure your own ailments. Yep. Yeah. So, so you have more songs coming out. What, uh, what are we... Um, are you working on stuff with art right now or... Not right now. Um, unfortunately, you know... Um, getting our schedules mm -hmm. all together, we can, you know, if we're lucky, we'll do three songs a year. Sure. You know, it's just not a fast. It's usually Steve going, are you going back in the studio soon? <laughs> you know, I want some more to do. Let me let me do a video. Why don't you get in there and go sing? So it's usually me bugging the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> but what's cool about art is he can play every instrument known to mankind. And he's like... It's just magic when he, he's a good when he writer puts something too. together. And it's, he's constantly teaching himself um, different ways of, you know, how does this composer I admire. Mm. How and there he are do tutorials that? online. Oh, sure. Anymore, you, know? you, can, you can learn to do anything. Yes. It's yeah, crazy. it's amazing. Yeah. That's how Steve learned to do videos. If I didn't know the answer, man, I would just get it on, on YouTube, YouTube and somebody's talking about it. Sure. So it was, oh, shoot, I can do that. It's pretty yeah. great. It, YouTube blows me away. <laughs> it's just like you, you know, you hear you hear these, you know, uh, you know, 
company leaders and figureheads like you know you don't need to go to college anymore i'm like hold hold on <laughs> hold yeah. on wait a second <laughs> let's you know you can learn everything on youtube uh, i don't know you, no. it'd be kind of hard to you learn know, college is kind of a stepping stone to the rest of your life sure and what it really means is you have the the the, the ability to stick to it mm-hmm. and complete the task and that's what college is yeah and now i was i'm an electronics engineer but being bored and going to work at the city as a water, you know, in the director in charge of water and sewer. But I knew everything about pumps and motors because I was in the Navy and you had mm-hmm. to learn that. So even though I was an engineer, I still knew what was going on. So, I mean, all those things give you, you get bits of knowledge from every place you go. Like I'm learning things from you today. Uh, I mean, I learned things from my son. I mean, it's like, we all learn a little bit from someone, mm-hmm. but you know, college just makes sure that you stick to it. Sure, yeah, I guess I did. My my big stick, though, again, um, is is that you're you're still learning. I mean, no one knows who they are. I don't know who I am at you know at my age. I don't know uh, what I'm. I think everybody changes. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but you know, it's like you you you're you're really you're asking somebody to take on a huge burden to basically start to determine what they want to do for the rest of life. And that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge risk, you know, for anybody. Um, and, and I think that at 18, 19 years old, um, I mean, like you say, first time you walked to the studio, do you know who you were going to be? You know, you knew you, you all of a sudden found this thing that you loved. You're like, wow, I love this. It's brand new. And it worked out really well. But yeah. there's a lot of people that go to college because it's that's rite of passage or it's yeah. this next thing that they're supposed to do because their parents did it or whatever the case is. If you're not going to go into a profession such as the law, be a doctor, things like that, um, there are other kinds of trade schools oh, yeah. that are yeah. good, that are yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, plumbing being an electrician, you make some money. You know? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Anybody, we all know that because yeah. we all use them. And yeah, it's, yeah. It, there's other ways to to get somewhere. Sure. No, absolutely. I'm a huge advocate for the trades. I did it for 17 years, made a lot of money. Don't want to do it any longer, but <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> um, just kind of a, you know, different walk of life. But I, I'm a huge advocate for the trades and I'm not opposed to anybody going to college. I mean, do, do what you want to do. I just think, you know, maybe, um, I think self-exploration is sometimes really good for people. I think that at that young of a mind at 18, you think, you know, everything, right? Yeah. At 35, you think, you know, everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, five years later, you're like, Oh shit, I didn't, I didn't think about that, you know? And so I think just being aware that even though you've made a decision, whether that's college or trade school or something, it doesn't have to define you, right? It doesn't. No, and if you get into one and you realize I am not enjoying this at sure. all, yeah. you, I mean, life is about making mistakes, yeah. learning from them. There, that's the. Ooh, ticket. I won't do that again. Sure. <laughs> learn, <laughs> yeah. learn from yeah, them, fail. and then there's other things. Yeah. Go on. You're not, you know, just because you made a choice about one thing, doesn't mean you're stuck with it for the rest of your life. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's one thing, one other thing that we really need to bring up, and she won't do it. I know, so I'll do it. You're scaring me to do no. it. No, the the picture of her singing oh the national God. anthem oh, at yeah. the Chicago Bulls. 
She wants you to know that there wasn't one game that they lost while she was singing the Star Bangle <laughs> Band. Well, it's when Michael Ooh. Jordan was playing. I was going to say 1995. Yeah. Yes. Wow, this is back when they were in their heyday, huh? Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. and Michael Jordan was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> no, awesome. really. He was a really nice guy. Really? Yes. This is pretty darn cool. So this is the book. I, I did want to. I did want to. So is this sort of a— This is a book that my mother— with the help of a couple of people, sure, uh, did at my urging. Yeah, um, and I write in there in the beginning, you know, how the book came to be, but it's done like a scrapbook, mm-hmm. and it's a gorgeous book, as you can see. It's, there's it's like something you'd expect to see in a sure. bookstore. So it's about. I I told her this is the la- you are the last person alive old-time radio except maybe rosemary but anyway you are i said all these memories you have and all these things you know about the golden age of radio because that was a time that was an era Mm -hmm. you these are diamonds do something with it you know tell your story sure and you know it's a really good book these two writers did what 150 hours of interviews with her. 52 hours of, yeah. of interviews, and I have you know all the stuff, and most of the pictures and everything came from uh, her scrapbook. The, her scrapbook, yes. And it's called Acting Her Age. Ten hmm. years as a ten-year-old. Yeah, I I read a little bit about it online. I didn't, you know, I didn't see the the book itself. I mean, it just well, seems... that's for you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, I mean, it just, it's a fun book. You'll get a kick out of it. <laughs> you know, we started this and I was, you know, just so blown away that, you know, radio had such an impact on people at that time. Oh, my lives, God. Right? And, but, yes. you know, you want to talk about a very selfless act, right? There's no, there's no face to this. It's a, it's a voice actor, you know? And so you get everybody's thoughts running wild, right? And so she capitalized on that time frame that time period and it's it's really neat i think that she she started out whether she wanted to do it or not whether it was just a job you know um that you went into i wanted her your, to realize the value yeah of yeah. what How she produced she sure yeah and what she did for kids all over america it was played all across america there's a radio station in uh, oklahoma that plays on sunday plays the Little Orphan Annie show. Yeah. On the back of this, there's three shows mm -hmm. on a CD. Yeah. So so that people can actually hear her. Yeah. And, and, you know, so yeah, that was what this book was about. It was about her discovering that this wasn't nothing. Sure. This was something. Well, that, yeah, that's what I, (laughs) you know, it was. I mean, it had such a... You were, uh, you know, even though it was just your voice, um, you were influencing children all over who who still the ones who are still left from that generation mm-hmm. or or ones that are just like one generation because she did it for ten years. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Well what, the the radio announcer that was that does the show called Shirley at home in Chicago, called us and, and tied us into this phone call. And Shirley talked to a nine year old that was listening to the show. And she was what she was what eighty four, eighty five then, a little bit older. Yeah, but, but she 
did the voice of Little Orphan Annie mm. and talked to this nine-year-old. And this nine-year-old just knew in her heart she was talking to Little Orphan Annie, who was 10 years old. Oh, wow. And, I mean, <laughs> Lori and I got tears running down our yeah. cheek. I and mean, then the, like, I the dad got on the phone uh, after his daughter had, he just says, I want to thank you mm -hmm. to my mom. He says, I can put on, because they were playing her shows, mm -hmm. I can let my daughter sit and listen to the radio and I don't have to worry about what she's going to hear. He said, thank you for that. And, you know, those little things, like you were saying earlier, it made, you know, Shirley made feel my good mom about feel like, wow. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it did matter. Because nobody ever thanked her. Matter. Wow. You know, they yeah. gave her a paycheck and, you know, sure. see ya. That's awesome. I'm, I am I can't wait to, I'm going to show, <laughs> I want to look through this with my daughter. To be well, honest the Christmas you. story, the, the uh, you know, movie, the, you know, they, they talk about, you know, the, the, uh, Dakota Ring and so on. So I wrote a letter to them. Well, the original house that they they filmed that movie in is now a museum for the Christmas story. Oh, wow. And they've got one of these books in there. And we kind of set them straight about what the commercial really was. It was just an excerpt to the next story. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, when he was talking to her and asking Shirley questions, it's like, Mom, tell, tell him the truth. I hated Ovaltine. It was terrible. <laughs> that was the sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> but she was she, she always uh, held the party line. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it was fine. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I you know, I'm 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 really happy that you guys came in and I'm really excited to have gotten a little bit more detail around why you know, why you guys are doing what you're doing. You know, and I, I think Thank you for letting us yeah. do this. It this was wonderful. Yeah. It's I mean fun. I think again, I go back to the, you know, every little blurb about there is everybody has a story, right? And so I'm just hoping that whatever you guys are doing impacts the next person so that they can continue that story and tell that story and let that story be heard. Yeah. And I mean, it all, it's all cyclical. It all comes back around, right? It sounds crazy, but I mean, I, oh, I no, go back it's to it. It's like, totally true. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's this big gigantic life. And I think that, um, you know, we owe it to each other to make sure that somebody has a, a platform to, move right well you know one act of kindness will lead someone else to do an act of kindness and you know that, that starts building on itself and becomes mm -hmm. a better society yeah yeah and it just takes one person to start it and okay. we're all of us everybody's sitting here is trying to start that beautiful energy out into the world yeah i couldn't agree more <laughs> we need that uh Lori, steve thank you guys so much thank, thank you for having so much, much. Right. thank you yeah. see ya Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh.